In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Actually, uh, we will study together today from John chapter uh, 16, starting from verse 7. Uh, but I will ask you some questions. That's why, you know, this microphone, use the microphone when you, you answer. So pay attention. It will be interactive. Yeah? Don't expect that I will give you just a lecture. No, it will be interactive. Okay? So, uh, today actually is the Feast of Pentecost. Pentecost means 50. Because today is the 50th day of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. On this day, actually, the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples. So, chapter 16 from John speaks about the Holy Spirit. That's why we are studying this today. In verse 7, the Lord told them, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Actually, when the Lord told them after three years living with the disciples, when he told them, I will go to my Father, I will ascend to heaven, actually they became very sad. They felt orphans. But the Lord Jesus Christ told them, no, it is to your advantage that I go away. It's best for you, it's for your best interest that I go away. How come? The explanation that the Lord gave them, he told them, if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. So as if he is saying, to have the Holy Spirit with you, it is better for you than having me with you. And then he, maybe somebody can ask the Lord, okay, can we have both? Can you and the Holy Spirit be with us? The Lord said, if I don't go away, if I don't depart, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. So, I have two questions for you. The first question, why it's our advantage to have the Holy Spirit? Can you imagine if Christ is living until today with us, and if, if we want anything, we can go meet with him in person, ask him our question, ask him to, to bless us, to pray for us. You know, God is with us here physically and we can go and see him. Well, what a blessing. But he said, no, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. That's my first question. Why it's to our advantage? And the second question, why he has to ascend in order to send the Holy Spirit? Why couldn't he send the Holy Spirit without ascending to heaven? He said in verse 7, But if I depart, I will send him to you. If I don't go away, the helper will not come come to you. But if I depart, I send him to you. So what do you think? First question, why it's to our advantage that the Holy Spirit will be with us? What do you think? 
I think you are trying to answer the second question. He has to sacrifice himself, so we are we become worthy to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay, and you are very close. But I, I, my first question is, why he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why it's to our advantage? Why to our advantage? Because we're sinners. So we, we cannot be saved unless he makes that sacrifice. So it's our advantage that he makes that sacrifice. Because without that sacrifice, we're worthless. He's speaking here about his ascension. Yeah, he has to die and rise and ascend to the, to the heaven. You know? So he's saying, I need to go away to the Father to send you the Holy Spirit. And this is your advantage. So, in a way, he's saying to have the Holy Spirit with you here is better than having me with you. So, my question here, why? Why? Why is to our advantage? Is it because the Holy Spirit is in us? So, rather than having somebody there talking to you? Very good. Okay. Here, our relationship with God has three dimensions. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father, no one has seen the Father. Right? As we read in John chapter 1. So the Father is above us. The Father did not incarnate. He's our Father. But He's above us. Right? Then in the fullness of time, the Son became man and dwelt among us. And his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means what? God is with us. God is with me. So the Father God is above me. The Son God is with me. But when the Holy Spirit comes, He will not be above me. He will not be with me. But He will be where? Inside me. You are the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit abides in you. So, for example, if Christ is still alive until today, let me assume that he will be in Jerusalem. So here in America, we will not enjoy his presence. We have to fly and to go in order to meet him. Right? Uh, Like during his incarnation, Israel and the Jews were only the, the only people who enjoyed him and enjoyed his teaching. Yeah, he placed our land Egypt. But when he started his ministry, only those who lived in Israel enjoyed his ministry. Right? But the Holy Spirit, you, you don't have to travel to Jerusalem to, to, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, the Holy Spirit is in you, inside you. That's why he said, you know, it's to your advantage that you have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will be in you, inside you. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit abides in you. But 
just I, I want to mention something also. God, in His love, He actually, our Lord Jesus Christ, He left His body and blood every day on the altar. And it is the body of the Son of God, it's blood of the Son of God. We say in one of the fractions of the Divine Liturgy, Behold, Emmanuel, our God, is with us today on this table. And, and we eat his body and drink his blood. And also, now our relationship with the Father is reconciled. So now we can call God and tell him, Father, we have this children-father relationship. Today, actually, we are celebrating the Father's Day. And the real father or the source, the origin of all fatherhood in, in the whole cosmos is not the father. He is the origin from him every fatherhood comes. That's why his name is the father with capital L. And, and, and our relationship with him is a children-father relationship. Uh, why I'm saying this, I don't you to, to say or to understand when I spoke about fathers above us, son is with us, the Holy Spirit is inside us, to understand that we don't have relationship with the father or with the son. No, because the father is in the son, is in the Holy Spirit, the three are one. You, you understand? Now we answer the first question. Then the second question, why the son has to ascend to send us the Holy Spirit. You try to answer this question, and you try to answer this question. Why he has to ascend? Many people perceive ascension that the Lord actually was in a mission. For example, if your work uh, or your school sent you to Europe to do rotation for six months, so you finish the six-month rotation and return back to America. So many people understand that the ascension, the Lord finished his mission here on earth, and now he returned back to heaven as you finished your mission in, in Europe or your rotation in Europe and returned back to America. Ascension is not like this. The ascension to heaven is an essential element in our salvation. And St. Paul explained this in details in his letter to Hebrews. We were kicked out from heaven, right? And the heaven of heavens, no one with human nature can enter into the heaven of heavens. No one. We say it actually in the fraction of Bright Saturday. We say he entered beyond the veil into the place uh, in which no human nature can enter. It's forbidden for any human nature to enter into the heaven of heavens. So now the Son became human being. He took our humanity. But he is God. So Jesus Christ is God-man, God-man, right? When he ascended and he entered with our humanity 
into the heaven of heavens. Can any angel stop him and tell him, no, you are forbidden because this place, no one with human nature can enter? You think this can happen? Definitely not. Why definitely not? Because he is God. Because he is God. So the fact is that he ascended into heaven with our humanity, with our human nature, and he entered with our human nature into this place, which actually no one with human nature can enter. He became like forerunner to us. So when we die and we go to the heaven of heavens, I'm assuming, of course this will not happen, but I'm assuming one of the angels come to me and tell me, uh, no, you cannot enter heaven of heavens because no human being can enter here. I tell him, do you see Jesus? Jesus is there. And, and Jesus actually is human. He's God's man. So since Jesus is there, I can enter there. Because I am one with him. He is my bridegroom and I am his bride. We are one. You cannot separate the bride from the bridegroom. So his ascension into the heaven, that's the meaning when he said, I will prepare a place for you. Prepare a place doesn't mean he will arrange the chairs and the tables. No, it doesn't mean this. But I prepare a place, actually I, may, I will make access for the humans to enter into the heaven of heavens. And now if we abide in him, and we become one in him, and, and this indwelling or abiding in him happens when we take his body and his blood, so we are one with him, he who eats my body and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, then in him we can enter into the heaven of him. So his ascension to the heaven is an essential element in our salvation. Okay. Why this is related to sending the Holy Spirit? Now by his ascension into the heaven, the whole rest, uh, enmity between God and us actually is vanished. Now we are holy. Now, as you said, we are sanctified, totally sanctified. The Holy Spirit will not dwell in a person who is not sanctified because there is no partnership between light and darkness. That's why by totally and finishing and completing our sanctification, now we can receive the Holy Spirit, not before. He has to sacrifice himself, has to die, has to be buried, has to rise, has to ascend into the heavens. All these steps are very essential before ascending us the Holy Spirit. That's why now we can understand verse 7. I tell you the truth. And when the Christ said, say, I tell you the truth, that's absolute truth. That's absolute truth. That's the word of God. It is to your advantage that I go away. Why? Because now the Holy Spirit will dwell in us. You are the temple of God and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. 
If I don't go away, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. Because the ascension is the last element in the process of our uh, salvation. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart and ascend to heaven, I will send him to you. Which That's what happened today on the Feast of Pentecost, on the 50th day of resurrection. The Son sent us the Holy Spirit. Then the rest of the passage, what the Holy Spirit will do with us? In, in this passage, actually, there are four things. Of course, the work of the Holy Spirit is more than these four things, but only four things were mentioned here, and this is what I will focus about today. Verse 8. When he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. So the first thing that the Holy Spirit, uh, when he dwells in me, he will convict the world for these three things. Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Let me explain it simply to you, and then I will go deeper. When the Holy Spirit is inside me, if I am tempted to lie, the Holy Spirit will tell me, no, you should not lie. Satan is a liar. And the liars are the children of Satan. Do you want to be a son of Satan? Do you want to be a son of the devil? Definitely not. That's what he convicts me on sin. Every time I sin, the Holy Spirit convicts me. Don't do it. Righteousness, what does mean convict me on righteousness? Meaning, uh, for example, if I see somebody is very poor outside, homeless, and I have enough money actually to help him, to give him uh, to get nice dinner. But, no, I'm not going to give him money. I will keep the money for myself. Then the Holy Spirit within me will tell me it is opportunity to help somebody in need. Righteousness, the word righteousness comes from right, to do what is right. So it is now an opportunity to do something right. Don't waste this opportunity. Go ahead and help this person. And of judgment, some people say, no, 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 there is no judgment. Now many people, unfortunately, the new theologians, say there is no judgment. It's all about love. But the Holy Spirit will remind me, because he is the spirit of truth, he will tell me, no, in the scripture, it's very clear that judge, actually, will, will, God will judge the world according to their deeds. And he will give each one according to his deeds, whether good or bad. Be careful. In the last day, you will stand before God. And let me tell you, spending eternity, which has no end in hell, something very serious. You need to think about this. It's not good 
for anyone to spend the whole eternity that has no end in hell. That's what the Holy Spirit will remind me of judgment. Right? So the Holy Spirit inside me will convict me of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is, I actually explain it in a simple way. But let me go deeper. What is actually the biggest sin in the world? What, the, what do you think? What is the biggest sin in the world that actually can prevent my salvation? Can be blocked, block me completely from being saved? But we have David committed adultery and repented and God accepted him. So even adultery, uh, I'm not encouraging (laughs) or sexual immorality. But uh, what I'm trying to say, any sin can be forgiven. So this sin can be forgiven. Can be forgiven if I repent. If I repent. What the biggest sin? The biggest sin. What's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? Refusing the work of God in you, or refusing the, refuse what? the belief in God, or exactly. following God. Exactly. The biggest sin is to refuse and to resist to believe in the Savior. For example, now the world was, was suffering, yeah, thank God, it, it come, now it's coming to end from the pandemic. You're right? And they say there is treatment for this pandemic. But if you say, no, I'm not going to take this treatment, I'm against it. Then the person will get sick and he may die because he is resisting the treatment. What is the treatment for our sin? Is actually to believe in Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is our Savior. If you believe in this, then actually you will believe in His Word, you will walk in His footsteps, etc., etc. Even if you put in sin, like stealing, adultery, whatever, and repent, God will forgive you because you believe in the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus actually forgives all sins. So when the Lord said he will rebuke or he will convict the world of sin, I want you to notice the word sin here was singular, not plural. So he's speaking about a certain sin. What is this sin? Actually, it's, it's in front of you. Verse 9, and if you read, you would have answered that. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. That is the major sin. We read in John chapter 3, the last verse, if you believe in the Son of God, you will have eternal life. If you don't believe in the Son of God, then the wrath of God will abide in you. So that is the major sin that can block the salvation of anyone.
righteousness. Why the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He actually will uh, convict us of righteousness. Why? You answered it before. Why? Who encouraged the disciples to do good during His life on earth? For example, when the the, the Lord met the 5,000 person other than women and children and the Lord told them give them food who encouraged them to do this who encouraged the disciples to do what's right hmm? exactly the Lord Jesus Christ but now the Lord Jesus Christ where he is he's ascended to heaven so we need another being to remind us to do good. So who would be this other being? The Holy Spirit who dwells where? In us. And that's verse 10. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. I'm not with you. So you need somebody to remind you to do what's right. I'm going to the Father. So now the Holy Spirit is with you, is within you. He will remind you to do what is right. What about of judgment? Of judgment. You know, sometimes uh, for example, if it's requirement that you do the PCR before you travel and if you don't do it actually they will not allow you to travel can you imagine if uh, the president of the United States is traveling but he decided not to do the PCR and the security stopped him and told him you cannot travel because you don't, uh, you, you refuse to do the PCR. Then actually everybody will say, no, it's serious. They actually prevented the president from traveling because he refused to take the PCR. So it's serious. You, you don't actually, if you want to travel, first you need to take the test. Otherwise, you will not travel. Why? Because the one who is prevented here from traveling is VIP, a very high rank. Do you understand here? The same for judgment. If God judged a very high rank person or being, if God judged a very high rank being and prevented him from going to heaven because of his sin, then we need to take the judgment very serious. If God did not spare this very high rank from going to hell, do you think he will spare us who are made from the dust of the earth? Definitely not. So who is this very high rank who is judged by God? Hmm? Exactly. Satan, the fallen angel, Satan. That's actually in verse 11. 
In verse 11 says, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Who is the ruler of the world? Satan. So, if anyone played in your mind and told you, no, there is no judgment, there is no punishment, remember, Satan was an archangel. And when he rebelled against God, actually Satan was kicked away from heaven. So, you need to take judgment seriously. If God did not spare this angel who was archangel, if God did not spare him, he will not spare us. So now we know when the Holy Spirit comes. So what, that's what the Holy Spirit is doing with us right now. Number one will convict us. Convict us of what? Number one, of sin. What is the major sin? Hmm? Uh, not believing in, in, in the Son of God. Not believing, which is blessed. Not believing in the Son of God. Number two, righteousness. Why? Why he will convict us of righteousness? To do what's right. Why? For our salvation. For our salvation. But, but because Christ is not with us right now. So now the Holy Spirit will convict us because Christ ascended to heaven. And of judgment, because who was judged? Whom? Hmm? Uh, Satan. Exactly. The ruler of this world. And if the ruler of this world was judged, then everyone else will be judged. Right? That's our work. Number one, work of the Holy Spirit will convict us. Number two. the Lord in verse 12, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Then, who will teach us all these things? He told us in verse 13, however, when he, the Holy, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. So, number two, guidance. Guidance. The Holy Spirit will guide us, will teach us. And the Holy Spirit teaches us through many channels. But when the Lord spoke about the guidance, he called him Spirit of Truth. Whatever the Holy Spirit is saying is the absolute truth. He's God. So, guidance here, there are many channels. Number one, the first channel is the scripture. Because the scripture is written by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Saint Paul and Saint Peter said, not a single word came by human intention but the man of God spoke inspired by the Holy Spirit so every single word in the scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit so if the Holy Spirit in the scripture says abortion is sin then it's sin that is the truth if the Holy Spirit said sexual immorality is sin it is sin 
If the Holy Spirit said homosexuality is sin in the scripture, it is sin. That is the truth. Whether you like it or not, that is the truth. And we will be judged by the truth. Okay? So the first channel is through the scripture. But the Lord in verse 12, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. So there are many things the Lord actually wants to tell us, but it's not recorded for us in the scripture. That's what we call the holy tradition with capital T. What is the tradition? The holy tradition things are not written not written in the scripture but it was handed to us from the apostles and their successors to the church why we accepted them let me answer this question quickly we know the first division in the church happened in year 451 before 451 all Christians were one, whether in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, all of them were one, right? At that time, there was nothing called Orthodox, Protestant, Catholic, because all of them were one. So, if, and these people lived very close to the time of Christ. If the church actually had consensus in Asia, in Europe, in, in Africa, that's what we call ecumenical, ecumenical council. They have consensus on something, then it is true. Because the Holy Spirit will guide us. The Holy Spirit guiding us until then. Like the three ecumenical councils that we mention in every divine liturgy. So, the holy tradition is what the early church fathers handed down to us and it was accepted by all the churches in the whole world before the division, before the first division for Christian. So, for example, now we say this is the real body and this is the real blood. Protestants argue with us and they tell us, you don't understand John chapter 6. When the Lord said, my body is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed, you don't understand this verse. It is just a symbol. And we tell them, no, it is real body and real blood. Who is right? Maybe they are right, we are wrong. Or maybe you are right, and they are wrong. Right? How would we know? How would we know who is right and who is wrong? Let us go before 451. And let us see how the church understood the communion. If the church understood the communion like the Protestant, then they are right and we are wrong. If the church understood communion and John chapter 6 as we understand it now, then we are right and we are wrong. So can we reach the truth? Yes, it's very easy. 
go and study early church fathers. If the church actually understood that in, in, in the Eucharist, that the body, the bread and wine, change into real body and real blood, then we are right. If the church said at the, back then, in the first four centuries, said it is just a symbol, then they are right and we are wrong. That's what we call the holy tradition. The holy tradition. So the church teaches us through the holy tradition. Also, the Holy Spirit guides us through our discipleship to our spiritual father. Christianity is about discipleship. Christianity is about discipleship. Even in, in, when you read the book of Acts, they called the believers disciples. They called the believers disciples because it is about discipleship. So each one of us has a father, spiritual father, spiritual director. Each one, even the Pope, even the bishop, the priest. So all of us are disciples. The Pope is a disciple to his spiritual father. And the bishop is a disciple to his spiritual father. And, and so on. And we, we know in this relationship, who will guide this relationship is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit guides me also through the, uh, my discipleship to my spiritual father. So how the Holy Spirit is guiding me, what are the channels? Number one, scripture. Number two, the holy tradition. Number three, the church through the spiritual father. So if I, I, I don't have a spiritual father, then actually I am blocking one of the most important channels to, for the Holy Spirit to work with me and to guide me in my life. Then, uh, we, the Holy Spirit, we call him holy. Holy. Holy means also he sanctifies us. Because he is the Holy Spirit. He sanctifies us. Uh, sanctify. Meaning to make me also holy. As the Lord said, be holy as your Father in heaven is holy. He sanctifies us by forgiving my sins. And also make me uh, think about what is right. And what is holy. So my mind and my thought, my thoughts are holy. I don't think about something bad. My senses are holy. I don't allow myself to look or to see something bad. My heart is holy. I don't carry negative emotions in my heart like hatred or anger, etc. And as you know, when a child is baptized after this, we anoint him with the holy oil called the Mayroon. And the Mayroon, actually, we anoint the person how many times? 
How many times do I anoint him with the oil? With the oil? Hmm? Four. How many times? Hmm? Thirty-six. Very good. Thirty-six. Yeah. Okay. Why thirty-six? Uh, First, Abuna start anointing. He make like a sign of the cross. So the forehead, and then the two nostrils and the mouth. One, two, three, four. Then the right ear, right eye, left eye, left ear. So Abuna makes like a sign of the cross. Right? How many total? How many? That's math. <laughs> How many? Eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Why these eight uh, signings? To sanctify my forehead. So when Abuna makes the sign of the cross, he says, now this forehead, these thoughts, this mind belongs to Christ, not belongs to Satan. So now, the Holy Spirit put his seal. So now, my thoughts, we have the mind of Christ, as St. Paul said. The seal of the Holy Spirit. Then, eyes, nose, mouth, ears, that's what we call what? Senses. So now, after sanctification of the thoughts, there is sanctification of the senses. Again, the Holy Spirit put his seal. These senses are mine. Holy cannot look at something bad, cannot hear something bad, cannot say bad word. Then, after this, I'm going to make two crosses here for the heart and two crosses in the back for the spinal cord. Heart for the emotions and the back for the will. Because, you know, the, the spinal cord uh, coordinates the will and, and your, all your movement, sensory and motor. So, actually, by two signs, two crosses here, the Holy Spirit put his seal. This heart is mine. This heart cannot carry any negative emotions, hatred, lust, anger. No. And the will here, my will will be the will of God. My will will not be against the will of God. No, my will now in harmony with the will of God. So two crosses here and two crosses here. So now that is the total hmm? twelve. Because eight and these are four, so twelve. For thirty-six, there are three twelves in thirty-six, right? So now we finish the first one. Then the, the two upper limbs, we have three joints. So every joint will take two crosses, one from the back and one from the front. One from the back, one from the front. One from the back and one from the front. And the same for the other upper limb. So how many in the, in the upper and two arms, how many? Twelve, right? So, 
Arms represent the work. The work, right? So, now the Holy Spirit put his seal. Your deeds, whatever you're going to do, will be according to the will of God. Your deeds will be holy. You are not going to steal. You are not going to hit somebody, beat somebody. Your deeds will be holy. Then the two lower limbs, also we have three joints. Every joint will take cross from the back and from the front. So we have also how many? Twelve. So the total is thirty-six. Why? What about the the, the lower limbs? What do we do with lower limbs? We walk. So thank. You. So so now it is sanctification of the way. I'm not gonna walk into a bad place. Uh, my my steps. I will follow the steps of the Lord Jesus Christ. So as if the Lord is putting, the Holy Spirit putting his seal on my way to sanctify my way. When you understand this, then in in, in chrismation, the Holy Spirit put his seal on my thoughts, on my senses, on my heart, on my will, on my deeds, and on my way. Easy to remember? Actually, there's a song. Do you know this song that uh, helped you to remember this? Do you like to learn it? It's very small. Or are you sleeping? Do you like to learn it? Okay. It says, uh, Jesus Christ, our God, Savior of my soul, let my thoughts be your thoughts, that is all and all. Easy? Okay, you can say it. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my thoughts be your thoughts, that is all and all. And we'll speak after this about senses, heart, will, deeds, way. Easy, right? Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my thoughts be your thoughts, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my senses be your senses, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my heart be your heart, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my will be your will, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my deeds be your deeds, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my way be your way, that is all. Very good. Say it by yourself to see if you remember these six areas or not. I'm not going to say it again. Jesus Christ. Right. 
thy sour Lord, Savior, have my soul. Let my heart be your heart, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, have my soul. Let my will be your will, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior, have my soul. Let my deeds be your deeds, that is all in all. Jesus Christ, our Lord, Savior of my soul, let my way be your way, that is all in all. Very good, very good. So now there is one point, and we'll finish. We said four things. Number one, the Holy Spirit convicts us on sin, righteousness, and judgment. Number two, guide us. Number three, sanctify us. Number four, actually, that the Holy Spirit comforts us. He's, he's called the comforter. Uh, one of the one of the titles of the Holy Spirit he is the comforter. Definitely, in 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 the world, we we face many tribulations and many hardships. No one, his life, free of, of hardships. Can anyone say my life is free hardships? No one. So who will help me? Who will support me when I go through difficult time? It is the Holy Spirit. That, that's why he comforts. And many people, when they go to hardship, first thing they do, they actually get upset from God and they don't communicate with God. This is exactly like a person has heart attack and then the ambulance came to take him to the hospital. So he started to fight with the ambulance and kick them away. That's exactly what you do when you get upset with God when you go to hardship. God is here to help you, to rescue you, to comfort you, to support you. If you get in fight, fight with him, you are the one who's gonna lose. You are not the one who's gonna win. If we go to Second Corinthians chapter one, starting from verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation. So when we go through tribulation, hard time, the Holy Spirit will comfort me. That we may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. See here the abundance. I, I, for example, if, if I am poor, somebody give me money, not only to cover my needs, but also to be able to give others to help them in their needs. That's exactly what he's saying. Who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those, to comfort others who are in any trouble. So now I am satisfied, I am I'm happy, my peace is back, and now I can actually go to others and comfort them. With the comfort, with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So this is the abundance of the comfort that we receive 
from uh, the Holy Spirit. It, it will comfort us. For as the suffering of Christ abounds in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. We are Christian, and sometimes because we are Christian, we are persecuted, we are discriminated against. For example, now if you say, uh, I am against abortion, I am against homosexuality, I am against transgenderism, you will be persecuted, you will be attacked. That is the suffering of Christ that's abounding in us. But God will not allow us to suffer and without comfort. That's why he said, as the suffering of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound through Christ. So I want you today to know that the Holy Spirit, whom we received in the day of our baptism, in the sacrament of chrismation, now works with us in these four areas. Convict us and uh, guide us, sanctifies us, and comfort us. If a father, parent, instructed his son to do something right, but the son told him, no, I'm not going to do it. How the father, how the parent here would feel? What would he feel? person and I say no. So what the Holy Spirit would feel here? Sad. Sad. The biblical word for sad is grief. Grieving. That's why the Holy Spirit Paul told us, don't grieve the Holy Spirit in you. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Because when I resist the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit would feel sad. Okay. That's number one. If the son became more rebellious and now he's fighting back with his dad or his mom and he's not listening to them, do you think that the, the father or the parent here would give an advice to their son anymore? If, if, if the parent gives advice, advice, and the, the son is, or the daughter fighting back, rebelling completely. Do you think they continue to give an advice? Yes or no? No. So, the second step, when we resist the Holy Spirit, it's called quenching the Holy Spirit. Quenching, you know, like when you turn off the light. That's quenching. So the Holy Spirit will not, yeah, he's in us, he's not, he's not going to depart from us. But he will not convict me. He will not teach me. He will not guide me. Simply because I'm a rebellious son. And if the person resists the Holy Spirit to the end, that's what we call blasphemy. And blasphemy is unforgivable sin. 
unforgivable. So what is the lesson I want to say? Don't resist the Holy Spirit. Don't resist the voice of the Holy Spirit in you. Because if you start resisting the voice of the Holy Spirit, number one, the Holy Spirit will be green. Number two, the Holy Spirit will be quenched. Then God forbid, if a person continues to grieve and to quench the Holy Spirit until he dies, that's what we call blasphemy. And blasphemy is unforgivable sin because the person died, there is no repentance after you die. And as I said, for somebody to spend eternity that has no end in hell, that's a high cost. We need to think about this several times when we are making our choices every day. When we decide to resist the Holy Spirit, when we decide to rebel against the Holy Spirit, when we decide to say no to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here to help me. His title is the helper to help you. So when the Holy Spirit convicts you, that's for your advantage. When the Holy Spirit tells you, this is wrong. When the Holy Spirit make you feel remorse in your heart, that's for your advantage. Respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And as I told you, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through scripture, through every church father, through your spiritual father. So if your spiritual father told you this is wrong, you need to repent, you need to stop this. If you resist, you are resisting the Holy Spirit. It's not to your advantage. I pray that the Holy Spirit, who descended like today, 2,000 years ago, on the disciples, like tongues of fire, maybe all of us be filled with the Holy Spirit and we kindle the grace of the Holy Spirit in us so we can bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit and we become spiritual children of God. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.